Hey, welcome to Sex, Drugs, and Spirituality with Sydney DeLorean. That's me. And we have returning guest, fan favorite, Paris, on the show. How's it going, Paris? It's going well. It's going well. Good morning. Good I'm drinking champagne. I hope you are too. Um, oh, no, you don't drink. You don't drink. No, no, I am drinking coffee because uh, after three months off the sauce, I'm back. <laughs> right on. Everyone needs a vice. And, um, uh, absolutely. Mine is coffee, so that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, you know, it's it's really good for me in a way because it lets my teeth be the same color yellow as my hair, and that is what they call advanced <laughs> fashion. Not everyone can achieve nice. that. Anyone can match that's a belt right. to their that's shoes. Right. You're too funny. <laughs> um. So cheers. Cheers, darling. Clink. Um, okay, so you were telling me that because of our Jehovah's Witness episode, uh, you and someone reached out to you about that one? Uh, she not only reached out to me, but she came out to New Mexico to meet me, and, um, and it was very, very cool, from California. And so, um, so there was a woman that was on my Instagram that, um, that uh, she, we didn't know each other, but we, you know, we interacted a little bit on social media, and then... Um, and then she sent me the most beautiful, heartfelt um, email about how touched and how um, how comforted she was by that episode. And she said, you know, she was like, I'm, I'm weeping like a baby, you know. And so anyway, we, we continued to talk and um, and we agreed. So she asked me how I felt about her coming to New Mexico to meet me. And um, I felt comfortable enough that I took my little girl with me the first time I went to go meet her. Um, you know, and uh, it turned out to be really, really amazing. She's an amazing person. Jehovah's Witnesses, when they leave, you know, they're shunned from the organization if they're no longer in it. So you lose your family. Mm-hmm. You become and, an orphan. Right, right, right. I mean, you were an orphan, you know, as an adult, I know I was orphaned every holiday, um, you know, because I, I didn't have any traditions. I didn't have anybody that I went to, you know, um, to go see every, ho- every Christmas or every Thanksgiving. And so then you create your own family, which I think is um, important as we move forward, you know, and we're changing as a species and our habits are changing and our life is changing. And I think that um, creating your own family is awesome. You know, it's awesome. It's okay. You don't, there's no loss there for sure. But anyway, yeah, her name is Elizabeth and she is a beautiful human being. And I want to thank you, Sydney, for, um, for making, yeah, making that friendship happen and also giving me the platform to talk about the Jehovah's Witness thing, that you know is amazing so she was a former witness as well and yeah 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 oh yeah I forgot to be yeah 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 and she had some I mean it's heavy it's it's fucking heavy but she's um and and we didn't we never talk about it after we leave it's very rare and so even when I was doing your show I mean I was triggered throughout my heart was I felt like I was betraying it felt like flipping off my parents and and anybody else that I needed to be grateful for, I, I felt like I was like, I don't know, it was some weird sacrilegious programming bullshit that, I mean, it was really emotional for me to do that episode. I'm glad I did, you know. It's um, interesting the the way that you say, um, even though you'd already left the faith, that it felt like a betrayal, which is what um, a lot of the victims of um like the kids in the michael jackson case in that what was that movie leaving neverland they said Mm -hmm. even though he had abused them for years they still couldn't bring themselves to testify against him in court because it felt like a betrayal of someone 
they loved and that had loved them. And it shows the complexity of relationships and abusive relationships that, you know, a person or a faith can wrong you, but your heart still feels an allegiance to it. Absolutely. I mean, it's the biggest mind fuck and it happens all the time. And there's people that go through their entire life either mind fucking or being mind fucked completely, you know, things like, you know, gaslighting and, um, and uh, just some of the, the predatory, like, uh, social interactions that we have with one another. And sometimes the, big, the biggest pillars, I think that's one of the things about Jehovah's Witnesses, the aftermath is, you know, like, there's a lot of sexual and emotional abuse within that organization. And, and, and you know, anybody can contest that. I'll, I'll send you some links. It's happening right now all mm-hmm. over the place, you know, and so there's a manipulative mind fuck that goes on with any organization that says, you know, you know, uh, don't defy us, period. Yeah. Don't defy us. And if you don't and if you don't think like I like we think we are we are not allies. And that's such bullshit. You know, it's just such bullshit. Um, I, if we're while we're doing shout outs to people who we've met through the show. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So Bailey, who I met through the show and was on the episode about sustainability, um, they reached out to me recently. They are a professional counselor as well as having been in an abusive relationship. And Uh they reached out to me recently to talk about abusive friendships and stuff because I had lightly touched on that at the end of an episode recently where I was saying, you know, this person has repeatedly done me wrong and I feel guilty even like talking about it or complaining yeah. about it. And so I want to thank Bailey for talking to me about it. Like, Yay, Bailey. Yeah. I've, I've met the coolest people through this show. It's just such a great family. I bet. And I, it's nice because, you know, I feel like um, particularly the people like us, the people in this kind of podcast community, we uh-huh. are thinkers who are constantly always having to check the pulse of our emotions and thoughts. And, you know, I don't know if that comes from being a forward thinking person who's trying on the road to self betterment or because of, you know, a past history of trauma causes you to always question your emotions. But like, it it means a lot to have someone to talk through things with, right? Like, you know, that what was in the name of the um, woman you met, the Jehovah's Witnesses? Elizabeth. Elizabeth. It like it, it, you need people like that, right? Who yeah. can like who have had a unique experience that's similar to your own that can right share about that. Which is the whole reason I do this podcast because life is so overwhelming and you have to talk to people about things. Like you just yeah, have absolutely. to. Let me tell you. Let me tell. I like. Um, I was playing catch up because I had been in San Francisco for most of December, and so. I was like, um, I was playing catch up a couple of weeks. Was it last week? Two weeks ago? Anyway, I was playing catch up on your show and, you know, just like binging episodes. Girl, you had some good shows. You've had some really good shows, you know, just like uh, just some of the stuff, you know, the um, some of the Scientology stuff. And just like, I mean, your your subjects are ballsy and engaging. Methamphetamine, you and Zach, you and Zach are so cute, by the way. Thank you. But uh Oh, it's it's a joy to listen to both of you. But but um, just that was a really good, that was a really good episode that was very informative, uh, but at, but um, also super entertaining and just like you couldn't help but like you know, 
just I was it was awesome but everything that I listened to that night was awesome you're 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 killing it and you're on Patreon now too I thank see, you yeah. Awesome. yeah yeah Rob Love and I are doing some Patreon stuff it's really interesting because I didn't realize Rob Love seems pretty unfiltered when he's on the show regularly but he, yeah he wanted to talk about something a little more personal and was like let's do it on patreon so my employer if they're gonna listen in on it at least we're gonna get a dollar out of them (laughs) (laughs) and so yeah he told some more personal stories because you know i know rob outside of the show okay and so i i know a little more about his private life um which is fascinating and so it'll be interesting to see how he um continues to open up um but also then we did a prank phone call episode and uh yeah <laughs> and we had a, we had a lot of fun doing that so we should be having two patreons a month with rob and i'm very excited right on yeah very cool that's awesome um <clears throat> i guess we can move into what what today's show is about oh yeah exactly yeah i guess so um so you wanted to go deeper into um how you became a burlesque producer and the professional side of things yeah I wanted to do that what I wanted to do is um so you know there's a lot of um there's a lot of burlesque going on right now I think um in that the community is strong however I do see I don't know you know just like women fuck everything up sometimes you know um there's a lot of uh there's a lot of exclusivity and there's a lot of click there's a lot of like you know this is the only way this is the right way you know uh the thing about burlesque is it's a it's an artistic um expression that um that that is so personal you know what i mean it's so you you create every layer of it and so why would it not why wouldn't it evolve um Because it has evolved. Nobody's doing any, you know, old school, completely, you know, they're not wearing bloomers and and whatever on that stage. They're wearing G-strings and they're, you know, they're like climbing poles and stuff, you know. I mean, it's changed. And so what I wanted to do is kind of like maybe share, I don't know, whatever um, knowledge I have about becoming burlesque. You know what I mean? I I mean, I I can't tell you how many women at every show would be like, I want to do that. And so, but the communities don't, aren't necessarily warm to, um, to some of the women and, um, to a lot of the women I'd say that I, that I've heard from, I hear lots of stories and, um, and I, and I want to share those secrets because if you're not finding what you're looking for and you want to be a burlesque star, then make your own. That's what I did. Instead of trying to uh, get the approval of the gatekeepers, so to speak. Right, exactly. That's how we do it. You know what I mean? Like that's, I mean, I did most of my shows from, you know, by invitation only every time because I wanted the dynamic to be even and I didn't want, you know, a new girl to roll in and, you know, afraid and an old, you know, dancer to go, you know, that's my song. That's where I sit. That's how we do it. We don't do that. I wanted it to be fresh and I wanted everyone to start off on the same level playing field. And so um, I want people, I want, I want ladies and the gentlemen to, um, to know that it is an even playing field. You know what I mean? It, it's don't be intimidated. Don't wait for approval. Just fucking go and do it. You Which know? I think this conversation will really parlay into other avenues like yeah, stand-up so. comedy hope- or being a musician. Like any sort of scene you're trying to get into where yeah. you show up and it feels like everybody already knows everybody else. And you're the yeah. odd one out. And if you do things that deviate from that, 
you're seen as other or not welcome and wrong. Right, right. So, so when you started doing burlesque, did you have this vision from the beginning, like, hey, I'm going to make my shows this equal playing field? Or when you first started out, did you kind of go with the flow and then realize, like, wait, there's gatekeeping happening. Let me change things. Right, right, right. You know, um, there was some gatekeeping. I mean, you know, maybe not even intentional and not like um, not on purpose, but there definitely was when I started. And I didn't, um, you know, the choices to join us, you know, I was like hell bent for leather to like, you know, um, to do burlesque. I didn't know it was I didn't really know that it was to do uh, my own show. But when I looked at at other shows that that were going on in my community, I mean, I, I saw some great stuff. But I'm not horror. I'm not, um, I'm, I'm not, I, I like, I, I'm very like, you know, hearts and flowers. I really, I'm a, such a girl. And so I wanted to do something that was celebrating femininity. And I, I know the, um, you know, I, I'd stripped in strip clubs before that. And I, I loved the, the womanly, I loved exhibiting myself, you know, in public and, um, and dancing and entertaining and titillating. And I loved that. And I loved celebrating myself as a woman and not being apologetic about it about like you know exposing my my breasts or whatever you know and and so I wanted to do that I couldn't find that and I didn't see myself like you know playing drums on my stomach with a trucker hat that's just I would never fucking do that and so (laughs) uh you know so I I looked and then I, I figured well I'll do my own and so I started off I didn't have a clue what I was doing and it took trial and error you know I did over 100 shows and I definitely, I, you know, my disclaimer throughout all of that was, um, I'm not sure if this is the right way, but it's my way and it's what's worked for me. And I, I'm classically, I'm famous for making a ton of mistakes doing shit, you know, um, but with, with an, you know, community type thing, especially ensemble um, performances, everybody has to be, um, everybody has to work together. And that's always been the hardest part about burlesque was teaching women how to work on a team, honestly, you know? Well, and mistakes happen along the way. I think a lot of people end up never doing creative things because they, the expected goal is my first go out is going to be perfect. And Mm -hmm. perfection is always the enemy of completion and I I can't tell you how many times I've released a song or a video or whatever and somebody who's never produced media at all has been like well you should have changed this you should have changed that whatever and I'm like listen this was a weekend project this is as far as I could get in two days I'm not because there are people listening right now who know exactly what I'm talking about where they have a million unfinished projects they have a hard drive full of half done videos or half done podcasts right they have a half built train set you know they had because they're trying to get everything perfect instead of going let's just do it and if there's kinks then I'll know for the next time and we'll work the kinks out and it gets better each time Um, right right And so I read, listen, controversial person I'm going to name, Woody Allen, who makes a movie every year, never sets a goal of making a perfect movie. He's like, I'm going to try a film noir. I'm going to try a musical and I'm going to do it in a year and we'll see how it goes. And he's made a lot of like not great movies along the way, but like I enjoy them for like the exploration that they are. 
And yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so, like, you're not going to be Dita Von Tees the first time you get on a burlesque stage. And and I think right. you shouldn't expect that of yourself. No, you know, I, I, I most of the girls that ever approached me on a show or not, you know, at all about becoming a burlesque dancer, I would say probably three quarters of them said, but I need to lose some weight first. Oh, God. And, and, and I, I know. And I would say, ah, 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 no. No, that's not where you start. You know, women's bodies change. We morph. You know what I mean? We have babies. We don't have babies. We, you know, we, we eat wrong. We sometimes exercise. You know, they change throughout our whole life. And if you have this ideal burlesque thing going on, you know, in your head, then you, you shouldn't do burlesque. Because, um, you know, live performance especially – you have to um, you have to account for for mistakes and ward especially you know with burlesque wardrobe malfunctions is like you know the worst and they're very very likely and so like even when I teach burlesque dancing or how to do a piece my my version of that is five events that occur in a song that you have to are landmarks and you have to get from one to the next one to the next one with some you know choreography but you have to allow for you know somebody's hair getting stuck in their zipper and you know one pasty on one pasty off or just whatever and and you have to have a really good sense of humor and because it's a um it's not a concrete thing that performance is it's it's something it's an experience then you have to just like surrender to it and know nothing is there's no such thing as perfect it is what is happening at this moment you know well I, and i reckon if you think that burlesque requires a perfect body and you don't yeah. interpret your body as such you're not right. going to be good at burlesque because burlesque is a lot about confidence and being sexy and body insecurities are so not sexy you know how you can see like no. a beautiful woman but she's kind of folded in on herself and she's awkward yes. and it's you're just like she has all of the ingredients to ooze sex but she doesn't versus you can see a woman who's got I don't know like a crooked nose that got hit by a baseball and she's got you know a flat chest and a giant ass and she can just ooze sex because right. she owns her body and so sexuality and being sexy isn't strictly about I, the the look of things it's the no, it's no, the no. feel it's an internal thing well but but so i'm going to say on that that it can be because part of our aesthetics you know one of the things when we're little babies we are we you know we figure out who we are by our the mirroring around us and so you know people are super like you know coochie coo with a cute baby girl and a less, you know, or, you know, a less classically cute baby girl is not going to get that adoration. So, but, but, the, but both baby girls are going to grow up thinking that, um, that what they look like does have a great bearing on how people treat them and, and their value and worth. But if, you know, both babies are given, you know, the equal amount of love and the equal amount of, you know, validation and just like nurturing and, and praise for their aesthetic as well as other things, then, then um, both babies will grow up confident and you know satisfied with what they look like, and that's the thing is it's just it, it's if, if you're big, own it. Yeah. If you're small, own it. You know, um, I, I would love to be so evolved a woman that I that you know I don't I don't care if I look good today or not, but I don't I'm not that evolved. I guess. I don't know. But, but, you know, looking good, it makes you feel good. 
Yes. And you, you know, and vice versa. It's this whole like thing, you know, this cycle, this circle thing that goes on. And so anybody learn to, you know, I, I think that first of all, before you do burlesque, dig how you look, look at yourself in the mirror and don't even start until you can look in your, you know, look yourself in the eye and say, I love you and just adore yourself for just a second, you know, and if you can do that, then, then start your journey, you know, because if you're looking for validation from the audience, that's not their job. You're there to entertain them. No. And you're selling, it's almost like selling a product. Like if you're a salesperson, it's a lot easier to sell a product that you believe in than a product you don't believe in. So if you don't believe in yourself, how are you going to sell that to an audience? Um, right. Which is something, because sometimes, you know, especially Zach will tease me about my self-promotion and I just think, well, I'm trying to sell myself to people. So right. I have to project an error that I believe in myself and I believe in this thing that I'm doing because right. if if I was like, oh, thanks for tuning in, even though this podcast sucks, it's right. like, right. you know, like no one, no one wants that. And so right. you have to kind of have a little bit of self-hype to, to convince an audience that you're worth commanding their attention. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I mean, I get it. Um, the name of my show is Paris a go-go, you know, and, and that's kind of, that sounds kind of like selfish, but so, but <laughs> you know, you're, you are the HBIC and you're the brand that everything right, right, is right. Ha- happening under your brand umbrella. Right, right, right. So, so that thus also set a standard, you know, it sets a standard for what is admissible and what is not, you know, um, as you know, there's a standard for what I would, you know, I, I think what to like my philosophy is to start with your goals and start with your efforts and then figure out how, how to get where you're going to go, you know, like, um, instead of just creating obstacles for yourself by going, okay, so I need to do this. I need to go and find, you know, a place to have a show and I need to, um, I, I need to find some girls and just, uh, envision you know envision either whether you're if you're going to be a producer envision what it's going to look like and stick to it and if you're um, looking to be a dancer or a performer or any you know doing something as a on stage then picture what it is picture the best version of what that is and then just go from there and and then become it instead of um instead of taking these little steps I, i think that's just my my advice um and then you just make it work, you know? For you as a producer, if there's someone who's interested in joining one of your projects, let's say they've never really done burlesque, uh-huh. but they're interested in it, would you say it's better to come up with a routine, practice a routine, have something so that when you're approaching a director or you know somebody who is in charge of booking a venue, that you can say, I have this product? Like, um, I, I think it's important to have like an idea. I wouldn't say it's necessarily like, you know, don't, you know, don't keep your feather bows in the trunk of your car and, and just like, you know, bust. I, I don't know. My advice would be to figure out what character you want to, what part of you, you know, because it's a part of you that you're putting on that stage. What is it that, that wants to come out and play? Okay. And what, what does she look like? And what is that? What is her vibe? What is her thing? What's her backstory? And then, um, and listen to music and then just like get some ideas in your head 
And um, and I would say best advice to start off a jumping off point would say would be um, to approach a producer if you're a performer and go, you know what, I'm a I'm a big fan or, or I, you know, I like burlesque or I want to see what's going on in this town, in this community. Can I help? Can I help? Gotcha. You know, and, because and so yeah, like maybe way. not be in the first production, but be involved with it. Right. OK. Because it may because because somebody may find out, too, that, hey, it's not for me. You know what I mean? It's not like maybe somebody is like chronically 30 minutes late to everything. Maybe you don't need to be in a show, you know, and you can't change that. Or maybe you are jealous of other women. And so, you know, sharing a, you know, a really small space in a dressing room with lots of hot chicks, you know, makes you, you know, anxious. Then don't do it. Or the audience makes you nervous. Whatever. You know, you get to feel it. It's almost like trying on a dress for the, you know, to see if it suits you. That makes sense. I think it's a mutual thing. Yeah. It follows my advice where if you think you want to go to college for something, maybe get a low-level position in that field. If you think you want to be a doctor while you're doing your prerequisites freshman year – work the front desk at a doctor's office or well you know I don't know how many people you know you invest all this time there's a woman that um is a mother in the chess club that my daughter's in and she you know she went to school for you know I I don't remember if it was to be a doctor and then when you know on the seventh year she goes I don't want to do this I want to do something else more creative and that's crazy when you've invested that much into your journey you know so I definitely think yeah you know, dip your toe in and see if it, you know, because attending a show, attending a good show, you have no idea. You know, um, my goal was always to make a show look like it was running itself, mm-hmm. you know, so that I could like have the occasional, you know, shot of tequila on stage or whatever and, you know, have fun with my audience. But I was, I covered everything as much as I could before that show. So that, you know, my, I'd always said, like, if I died on the way to the event, it would run itself, you know, but it's not. And, and there's a lot of moving parts to it. And, and it's not for everyone. You yeah. Know? yeah. Um, OK, so what was the part where you were saying um, issues with women sabotaging each other? Um, oh, my God. Don't get started. <laughs> I want to get you started. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's crazy because it's it's one of the hardest parts but it's also one of the rewarding part most re- rewarding to see like um yeah I, I don't know if it's you know I watch a little you know I, I managed uh baseball and softball when I was like super young and guys get it they know how to be on a team they know how to like work together they do women I don't think are taught enough they don't have enough avenues or or examples as kids in a group thing other than like if you're not sporty if you're not you know I, I definitely would never have joined any sport any athletics growing up but you know so where would I get you know so, to learn solidarity or you know fairness or just like knowing that you know um that I have to be strong too I can't take I can't suck from the show well and that you you a, a team attitude is we're all cogs in the same machine yes versus you know little girls we do ice skating dance we do sports where we're competing against each other and so it's it's just different and and male athletes have similar things my coworker was telling me yesterday about uh, at Kobe Bryant's memorial, Shaq told a story about when he was on the Lakers with Kobe and all the other 
team members were like, dude, Shaq, you got to do something with Kobe. Like, you need to talk to him and tell him that there's no I in team. And so Shaq went to Kobe and was like, listen, dude, you got to be more of a team player. There's no I in team. And Kobe's response was, but there is an M and an E. (laughs) That's right. That's right. You know, and so like, yeah, that's awesome. That's perfect. That's perfect. So like, you know, and it, it doesn't help the greater good if you're out there trying to be a hot shot for yourself instead of kind of humbling yourself and being like, this is a collective effort. Right, right, right. And being strong on your own so that the you're not the weak link. You know, I can, I know that I've had like a new girl that um, will call me five times the day of a show and, or, or send me a bunch of Snapchats or pictures of herself wearing an outfit and asking me, what do you think about this? What do you think about, and I'm, and I'm like, I can't even like, I can't even deal with this. I have to like, I can't even give you any of myself because it's all my bandwidth is like you know taken and you know stuff like that you know that you don't do that you know you it, you you let them have a little more self-direction versus like an actor uh, who's looking there's like the actors who look to the directors and are like what's my motivation and then there are the actors who are like i know this character I have no questions. Like, well, I think, but but like a day of a show or at the show, you know, uh, walking up to a producer and saying, "Could you tighten my corset strings, please?" You know, while yeah. you're like trying to like you know solve some disaster going on with audio, you know, your audio department or whatever, just like standing your own ground and holding your own um, st- things. Some of those things, um, d- dressing room etiquette. Don't throw your shit on top of another girl's stuff. Don't do it. Don't, don't use anything that doesn't belong to you without asking, but pretty much have your own, Yeah, you know, be like self-sufficient and self, um, and you know, shit happens. Uh, you know, I, I had stage kittens that always like, you know, they were there at the ready, no matter what they were doing, they were doing some heavy lifting over here in 30 seconds, they were there to help you, even if it was ridiculous because, um, their job was to make sure that everything, everyone was like, um, everyone was calm and every, you know, that they were taken care of. Mm -hmm. And so, but, but yeah, um, just be mindful of others, be mindful of others and, and know that, uh, that nobody is better than anybody else. They're just different. They're a different version of badassery. Mm -hmm. I know in my show, you know, I, I couldn't have anybody but alpha females in my show period. And so, you know, that's my, that's just my vision for sure. And, um, and, and so these women, it, a lot of shit can happen. You know, that's a lot of fire in one room. And, um, but if you feed each other and you adore each other's differences and, um, and be respectful of each other, then together, it, it's amazing. It's like this whole like wave force of just like human, beautiful vaginaness that's just, you know, that's beautiful. And you get, you get a sisterhood from that and there's solidarity and a good show at the end of the night, you know, for sure. That's really interesting. So the appeal of having all alpha women is that they're, they're powerful, they're strong, probably self-sufficient. Like they, they've got their makeup, they've got their costumes, they're more, they need less mommying, less handholding. Sure. And then because they're all alphas, it could theoretically lead to conflict. Now, do you, when you do your shows, everyone, do they do a solo number and then there's group numbers? What's the structure like? Um, so my particular, so my structure for a show, and I've, and this is something that I stuck to from beginning to end, is um, I open up a show, you know, I come out and I, and I like, um, 
I usually talk about sex and, and I encourage the audience to have sex that night, you know, in, in like groups of one, two, three, four, five, or six. And, um, and so I like, uh, um, I, I like to just like get everybody kind of uh, engaged and I tell everybody what, what, you know, is about to happen if they haven't never been to a show before. And then I do, um, uh, so I have uh, two parts. I have a first part and then I have an intermission always. And then I have a second part of the show. Um, so I always cut the shows in two and the girls, um, I would give them a theme. I give them a theme and then, um, because at also every single one of my shows was completely different. So far, they've all been completely different. Um, and, uh, and so um, I would say, okay, we're going to do a show about Prince. And, um, but guess what? Nobody can touch, you know, so pick your song. And um, they were, you know, about three to four minutes each one. They, they knew that. I, every, you know, I, I provided the information for criteria. Some of them chose to do duets or groups or, you know, uh, solos, mostly solos. And sometimes we did a solo, I mean, a big group piece at the end of the night. Uh, the Prince, uh, for example, so I, I said, okay, we're doing Prince. The name of the show is Erotic City. And, but nobody can pick any songs from Purple Rain. Okay. And everyone was pissed. And, and I was like, his discography is sick. It's huge. It's huge. And there's a lot of Prince music to listen to. So, you know, get started because uh, you're going to find some good, good shit. And so, you know, uh, you know, I loosened a little bit towards the end, but I knew that everyone was going to gravitate towards that because that was what everybody knew. It wasn't exactly in everybody's playlist to listen to Prince, but everybody that was in that show by the end loved Prince and loves Prince to this day, you know? Nice. Yeah. So, you know, so I, I provided criteria with, you know, parameters and, and then, you know, and then just like set deadlines. You know, this is, I need, I need to know what your choices are and what you're, what you're doing by this date. And then I need to, I need your music file by this date and, and don't, don't very rarely give any allowance, I think too, because everyone has to understand you have a lot of moving parts, you know? So if you're a performer, get your shit in on time, period, label it right. You know, think about somebody other than yourself. Don't, don't label it my song, you know, don't send me something that says my song. No, what's the name of the song? What's your name? Thank you. You know, that, that helps. And uh, so, um, yeah, go ahead. Oh, project management is very, very difficult, which is what being a producer really is, is right. that you're managing all these moving pieces. And it's really hard to uh, drive home the point to some people who they think, oh, being a day late on my music, no big deal. Being two days late on my music, no big deal. Being late on choosing a song. And you're like, no, the reason I have these deadlines is because we need to make sure everyone picks their song. There's no duplicates. Like we need to, ha it needs to be happening in a timely manner because right. one thing out of place and it sets everyone else off and everything else back. And um, I'm, I was recently referred to as a type A person, which maybe I am because I'm very good at project management and getting things done. And I, sure. listen, my life is like an episode of 24. Like it is scheduled right. down to the minute. And I just am like, well, yeah, because I can't tolerate the chaos that ensues when you let things slide and you go, oh, well, I'm, I was supposed to get that done by today, but I'm, I'm tired or I want to check my Facebook. So I'll put it off till tomorrow. And now you got extra right. to do tomorrow. Like it just, and so for people participating in a group activity, a group thing, it is really important to be like, 
just please, please meet your deadlines. Right, right. So, and the big one, the big one is night of show. If a producer tells you to be at a show by seven o'clock, be there by 6.59. Yes. You know what I mean? Period. Because at 7.01, I got to figure out, you know, the doors open in 30 minutes and the show starts in an hour. Then I, if you're not there, I need to figure out how to fill that time. Yes. I need to realign a few things. I need to change this. I need to change that. That gives me enough time to change. But if everybody's accounted for and there, then that's another box I can, you know, I can, I can check and I can keep it moving. You know, um, I loved, I loved going into, I love going into a venue and the, the girls, you know, being flanked by my, you know, stage kittens, you know, everything's on point, our playlist, our stage list, everything's, you know, in a readable font in the dark, you know, whatever, it, you know, prepared for anything and going in like an, you know, like a fierce force into a venue and going, no, we don't need you to do this. We got it. We got that too. Mm-hmm. Oh, we have that equipment. We have, you know, and having everything and being on point. It it just it calms the room and allows you to just be artistic and badass, you know. But yeah, be on time. I, you know, in New Mexico, when I, when I'm in the Bay, I'm on time to shit. But in New Mexico, I'm five minutes late to everything, and it drives me fucking crazy. But um, but not with shows. Be there on time, you know. Yeah. Well, and this is, I, and maybe it goes outside of entertainment, but I know it's definitely a rule in the entertainment industry is Uh it is less about your talent and more about how easy are you to work with. So hell yes, 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 yes. You might be the second, third, fourth, 10th best cameraman, but if you are the best in terms of showing up on time, meeting your deadlines, being easy to work with, you're going to get more jobs than the number one guy. And that's just, that's just how it is, is that you can be infinitely talented, but you aren't going to get work if you are not easy to work with. Right, Um, right, right. No one likes a diva, you know? No. And it, it just, it's, you are hindering other people from accomplishing their goals. I remember, um, hearing Nikki Glaser say in a couple interviews that she books whoever is her opener on tour. She doesn't per se seek out the best comic. She seeks out the best person to work and travel with because they're going to be on the road together, hitting these right. shows night after night, road dogging it. And she needs somebody who is good at that. And yeah. it makes a hundred percent sense that, you know, When you're in the trenches working on a show like this and it's hectic and there's moving pieces and you're trying to meet deadlines, you need people that you know are going to show up on time and do the damn thing. Um, That's right. That's right. Because collectively, the end animal that that becomes the combined energy of all of those participants, it it creates its own – it's its own – every show is its own baby, you know? And um, even if you – even those, you know – uh, review those burlesque reviews and, and groups that do the same stuff all the time. Every single show is its own baby. You create something gorgeous and amazing and inspiring and lasting when you all work together well. You know, you gleam, you shine, you know, it's like a bunch of diamonds all on, you know, on a, on a chain or something. It's just beautiful. It's beautiful. I'm sure as well, like you said, you know, if you're interested in doing burlesque, approach a producer and say you want to be involved in a project. And so if you have someone who wants to be a dancer and they've done 
tech or media or something on one of your shows, it allows you to gauge their reliability and their work ethic. And then it would move them forward in your mind to putting them in a show because now they, right. they've you proven have any doubts that they could do it. You yeah. know, there was, you know, there was some time, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm not, I'm not going to say that. I mean, cause I've, I have gone up to a woman in public and said, wow, you should do burlesque. You know, I can help you do that. And then put her on stage and watched her soar, you know, and, and grow. Um, and at first they didn't know, you know, they'd never done anything like that. So they didn't know how, you know, how things go. They didn't understand but um, some loving, like, you know, direction and, and help each other out, you know, help each other out. Do, you know, share the secrets as far as like beauty and how do you do this? You know, d- don't be d- don't be selfish with some of that knowledge. That's something that happens within the dance community. Share knowledge, share, you know, if you see somebody struggling a little bit or they just don't understand something, help them lovingly, but not in an not in an effort to make them feel bad or or, you know, don't fuck with the social dynamic like that. Don't create those hierarchies. Help them. Well, there there can be a dynamic. Um, for instance, I'm a bartender. And, uh-huh. you know, most everyone who works at my bar has been doing it. I've been bartending for 15 years. And everyone else I work with has been working as long, if not longer. But yeah. we've had some newbies who have only been at it for a year. And the staff will have a tendency to be resentful for them towards them because they aren't as with it. They aren't right, as right. efficient and competent and detail oriented, but I'm like, they don't have the experience base. So rather than be resentful, try to nurture them to bring them up. And if, if they're good, if, if they're open-minded and they want to listen to critique and learn and get better, then what you've done is you've cultivated an employee who is a great you you've you've nurtured them you know and they've yeah, grown absolutely. into this great employee and then you know if if they aren't open-minded and they don't want to learn and whatever maybe it isn't the career for them but you can't just right. like blanketly be resentful towards someone for not having the knowledge or experience that you have no that's called being a shitty female and a lot of females <laughs> yes. just, just just do that because they think it's fun it's not fun to me you know no it's not f- and there's nothing worse than than everyone hating you and you don't even know what you're doing wrong or why you know it's like give me an opportunity please help me help me be better before you just hate me but that you know when I I mentioned earlier about the you know don't throw your stuff on top of another dancers or another performer's stuff that's one of the big ones and they don't you know they're like so overwhelmed by the experience when they're new that they don't, they're not thinking. Mm-hmm. And it's not that they're selfish. It's just that they're not thinking. And so, yeah, instead of doing this, you know, did you see what she did? Don't do that. Yeah, just, hey, that's girl, the- that's my spot. Um, If you want to yeah, yeah, set yeah. up over there, you can set up over there. Right, right, right. And go, you know, I'm sure that, you know, it would, it, you know, it would be a drag if somebody put their stuff on top of yours. We just try to keep it, you know, keep your stuff separate and accessible. And, and, and they've got, you know, that's a performer's stuff too. So, let's just you know but they don't know maybe at first and then um but if that's the vibe if you have a vibe of like nurturing and a community and just like we're all badass um then I I think that you're you're doing yourself a a solid as a performer and you're also going to be that performer that audiences are going to go what you know like that's that that's amazing. If you're not, you know, looking, if you're not giving side eye to somebody else because they're not, you know, they do something slightly different and you're just paying attention to the gift that you're giving, then you can just, um, you can just shine, you know? 
Mm -hmm. And also, like, I feel that instead of cutting other women down, you can nurture them and make them better and be proud of that. In the same way that parents are proud of how their children succeed because you've you've raised your child and you've nurtured them and so when they excel you're proud of them and I I feel yeah I'm one of those people like I legitimately get excited sometimes for strangers like if I'm a big fan of someone's art and they end up getting like a big tv deal or something sometimes people they tend to it gives us hope yeah, it gives you know? for me. It gives me hope, and it gives me like pride and joy because I'm like I I I watched the work that went into that and how hard earned that success was. And I sometimes you'll see people when others get successful, they'll go, oh well, they're not even that good, or I don't know why people like them. Sydney, and- Cardi B, I want to say Cardi B. So I've been a fan of hers since forever. I have watched Cardi B, and I don't even like her music, to be honest. It's not my favorite thing. I like Cardi B a lot. I watched her come up, and I watched her, you know what I mean? I watched that girl work her ass off and uh, and be herself. And so then what I was like, oh, my God, she's on, you know, what, what was that show? Um, was it VH1 that she was on? Um, what was it called? I can't remember. It's- oh, I don't know. But she was on the show on TV, and I was like, I'll be damned. And then, and then I heard her on the radio, and I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, because she was a stripper. When, she was a stripper in a strip club when I first started following her on Instagram. She's never changed. She's the same, mm-hmm. you know, and, she's, um, and she works hard. And, you know, I, again, she's not my favorite artist, and I don't really listen to her music. But I love that she came up. She leveled up over and over again because of herself and that's that gives me hope you know yeah ab- for sure absolutely my my person like that is Issa Rae like I was such a huge fan of her YouTube channel and I read her book and when they announced that she got the HBO TV deal like I screamed out loud like I was so it was like my best friend had gotten this deal because like you want like I want to see people succeed, and sometimes it's it's hard not to be jealous, you know, when when other people make get their break and you haven't gotten it yet. It it can sting a little, but like you, a rising tide raises all boats, so you have to just go. Yep. This is this is my hope. If she did it, I can do it, and it shows that there's a market for what you're doing instead of going instead of just being I hate I hate jealousy and spite I hate it and I hate when I feel oh, those I feelings hate it too. yeah and, and it's just so it's you know you're you're occupying some of your bandwidth with some dumb shit mm-hmm. and that dumb shit doesn't look good on anybody you know my dad always said you know don't carry a grudge especially women don't carry them well and that's true interesting you know carrying a grudge around just like it, it looks it's not a good look on anybody it doesn't serve you ever, you know, and, and so, you know, maintain some lightness and some um, compassion for, you know, uh, other, you know, different types of like strong, creative, artistic types and go with the flow and be, you know, be flexible, but be supportive of each other. And then and then you've created. So if you've, if you've like been afraid or intimidated by a community um, and not, you know, not wanting to know where to start, change the, the community be cordial, have ethics, you know, work hard. And then you become a part of the community and then there becomes a new standard, you know, a new normal 
which is that, you know, to be gracious and wonderful to each other and supportive. That is very good advice, I think, is that like we all have the power to change the temperature in the room. And it can, right. it can be really hard when you feel like you're in a situation where it's a pit of snakes. And right. everyone listening has had that dynamic, whether it be friends, family, work, whatever. Like they have, you've been stuck in a situation where you are dealing with a pit of snakes. And when you let the ugliness turn your attitude, you just exacerbate the situation, you know? And yeah. if you can rise above it and and be warm and gracious and patient, you can start to turn people. And it might right. not change the entire situation, but it'll, number one, make it more... Uh, more palatable for you, right? Yeah. And and you might change a couple of people and they'll and they'll be thankful for that. Um right. there's go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say is there a situation like you can think of where like you've had I don't want to say rotten apples, but like you've you've had sort of an attitude take hold with some members and cuz it's I can imagine it's hard being a figurehead, you know, yeah. a manager of any situation. And if you get little pockets of dissent and how do you work on rallying and team building? So, um, you know, I've, I've experienced this with like community for sure. And that, you know, well, burlesque is supposed to not have pole dancers. Well, guess what? It does now, you know, burlesque is, you know, you're supposed to do your nails. You're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do that. Um, no. You're, you know, um, as far as like keeping this rigidity on, um, on some, some, you know, form of burlesque. Burlesque is it was wild and beautiful and wonderful, and it's it's untamed, and taming it over overly taming it, and setting like very narrow parameters is very limiting. You know, it's very limiting to you as a as an artist. So yeah, definitely. I mean, there's been lots of stuff that that's. Um, I mean, I've had you know senior performers that have maybe not been, you know, as warm to somebody else and, and, um, and just been, uh, they, they haven't been very supportive and have maybe, um, let me think just like, uh, snickered behind their back about what they were wearing or what they were doing or their enthusiasm. They forgot what it was like to be a new, you know, performer and to just be, you know, just like be so effervescent and, and sparkly, you know, bubbly with like ex- of joy and excitement to be there. And another performer going, uh, really, Pollyanna? Are you fucking kidding me? You know what I mean? Just like, whatever. Uh, not not feeding, you know, feeding it into it. It's, that's a wonderful experience someone else is having, you know, encourage that. I mean, there's there's specific like, for example, there's been moments where the entire community with everybody that was like in a city that I was in um, all rallied together because they thought that the city laws were changing and were going to kill burlesque. And it's like, no, honey, maybe you should like read the statute, read the read the, you know, read what's the proposal of what they want to do. It's what they've always done. You know, for example, like maybe covering, you know, nipples with pasties or, or latex. No, no, they're not censoring you, sweetheart. They're doing what they've done always. And if you have a problem with that, then talk to your legislator during the next session. Mm-hmm. But as of right now, these are the things we need to do to ensure that a venue owner keeps their liquor license. You know, those types of things. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, are, are getting real excited about, you know, they're not going to, no one's going to, you know, we're not allowed to have shows anymore uh, downtown or whatever. Or, um, and it's like, 
well, hold on, you know, don't jump on bandwagons. Don't, um, uh, and definitely don't. Yeah. Because what happens sometimes in those situations is you get like, everybody picks a team uh-huh. and, you know, everyone's, you know, kind of facing off and, and that's just stupid that that defeats the purpose. And, and why, you know, why do we turn on each other? I don't know, but, but we often do. Well, and so, um, yeah. The reactionary response, especially like with things like being scared of this new law and like we we're we're reactionary creatures, right? Your lizard brain goes into panic mode and goes, oh, my God, this is the end. Gloom and doom, whatever. Right. And it's so hard when something is near and dear to your heart to be patient and calm and go, well, let's wait and see what happens. Let's wait and see what it actually means. Right. Let's see if we can change. Because like, I mean, I'm. I'm going through it right now with trying to get my health insurance coverage um, yeah. for my surgery. And it's it, there's so many variables where, you know, I thought I had all my ducks in a row and now my insurance won't pay for surgery in another state and no one does yeah. the surgery in state. So then I'm panicking, having a meltdown, thinking I can never get treatment. And then my boss is like, we can institute a group health insurance plan, but we need to get five people on board and like rallying. Let me tell you this, rallying bartenders to fill out paperwork is a lot of work. <laughs> like, I bet. I bet. You know, you feel my pain then, girl. Yeah, yeah I I'm get like, it. Yeah. It's a three page form. It's not that big of a deal. And it's like herding cats. And then I'm like, yeah, you know, so and so is reluctant, blah, blah, blah. And I need to get these forms to this guy. And then somebody right, misses right. the deadline. So now it's pushed back. And then the guy's going out of town and blah, blah, blah. And so like a million times a day, I'm ready to throw in the towel and say, oh, this health insurance isn't happening. Right. And then, right. you know, poor Zach has to go, just wait and see, just wait. You you can get the form from that person. We'll get it to the guy. You'll get the estimate. And I go, but then if I get the uh, people are, what if they don't sign up for it? Because, you know, I need X number of yeah. employees to engage in this. And I, you know, it's really hard to go, just calm down, stop reacting you need to just go through the motions and do the thing and then see what happens, right? But yeah, Absolutely, absolutely. But our, our human brains want to panic, you know? They want to say, oh, there's a new girl on stage and she's prettier than me and now no one's going to like me and so I hate right, that Right, and I girl. go on right after her and they're going to like be bored and yawn when I go up there or whatever, you know? like uh, Yeah, I mean, I think that that's, you know, talking about your insurance stuff, it, it reminds me of a... Of, a moment in my life that changed my life forever and that um so I was uh so you know I, I used to do some pennant modeling different types of modeling I'm not like I'm tall but I'm I'm statuesque but I'm curvy you know anyway I'd gotten this call to uh to do you know to go to this big you know like cattle call thing with my headshots and and um and, and it was for a runway show I'm not runway runway tends to be a more wafy like thinner look than me and at the time I was, um, 30. And so I thought, so, so anyway, this thing was going on, you know, I got all dressed up and I, you know, drove down to the hotel where this was happening. And I sat in the parking lot for 45 minutes because I was scared that I was going to walk in there and I was going to stand out like a sore thumb. I was going to be too old, too thick, too whatever. 
and that I was going to be more, it was going to kill me. I was going to be mortified and that I would just, you know, I would leave and it would be so devastating and hurtful. And so, and so I sat in the parking lot forever. And your brain's telling you why bother, right? That's right, that right, your, your right. quitting brain is saying, why even bother? Here's the ways in which the deck is stacked against me. Why even bother and go through rejection? Because like your, right. your brain wants you to quit every day like right right <laughs> it, it just because right. it wants to take the easy way out and it's something they always like tell us in pilates because like they're like you know you need to keep your shoulders in check because your brain and your body is going to want to lift them to make this motion easier y- your subconscious is constantly trying to find the easy way out of situations and you need That's to right. stay strong because yeah you know you, you're never going to accomplish anything unless you get over that that fear of failure or that instinct right, to take right, the easy right. road. Right. You know, I mean, so, you know, well, this on this particular, you know, day, so I went in terrified. My knees, I was afraid I wouldn't be able to put one foot in front of the other because I was shaking so bad. And I'm a bad bitch, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm confident with who I am, but I was still scared. I felt mm-hmm. like it had been such a mistake and everyone would just point and laugh, you know. And so I, um, so there was like, I don't know, maybe 100 people there, men and women, and then they, uh, the, every, you know, you, you, you do the, sh- the handshake and you hand your photos to the different people that were sitting at, you know, down the row at this table. And then everybody left, uh, went outside for about 15 minutes. And then they asked everyone to stand at the back of the room and they asked 40 of, uh, they, they called 40 names. And they asked those 40 to, to step forward and to occupy the seats that were in the, you know, the, that were in the front and asked everyone, they thanked everyone for coming and they asked everyone else to leave. And, and I, they called my name. And I'm like, damn, this guy's making a mistake too. Like, what's going on? <laughs> and so then, you know, we were given our packet with uh, the information we needed to book our flights and our hotel reservations. And so there was 40 of us there. And the guy that was talking to us said, all right. He said, uh, he said you wouldn't, you all have, uh, he said, I'll see all 20 of you there. And we looked around and there was obviously 40 of us. And he said, that's right. He said, I've been doing these a long time. He said, all of you are thinking of reasons why you can't make this show. He said, all of you knew the dates of the event before you got here. He mm-hmm. said, all of you are saying you're not good enough to do this and thinking of, you know, thinking of every possible way that you can get out of doing it. He said, and half of you know that you're good enough. Or no, he said, but half of you think you might be good enough. And he said, and I'll see you in Dallas. And, wow. and I thought, holy shit, I have been getting in my own way my whole life. And that, that day changed my life. You know what I mean? I thought about all the t- I listen. I try to like catch myself and cut myself off at the past when I'm talking myself out of something mm-hmm. and going, well, they're just gonna, well, it's just going to be a disaster. You know, I'm a cancer. I'm very dramatic inside my head, you know, and so I have to check it. You know, it's not going to be a failure. It's not going to be a drag. It's going to be great. Yeah. And just, you know, just do it. Just do it. And, you know, like. If you don't even try, then it's an automatic failure. Like right, you right. got it, that is that is such a great story. Did you go? So you went, right? Yeah. So I went and I did runway, and there was all different types of models there, and I was thirty. You know I, what I mean? love it, that. Yeah, it, it changed. I'm telling you, Sydney, it changed my life, and it made me realize I I am my own worst enemy. I cannot blame anybody for any shit that I don't get done in my you know in in like what I want to do in life. Mm-hmm. Living until, you know, actually living it until you die, you know. Um, so, yeah, it changed it changed everything. And, and I understand uh, I understand self-doubt and I understand fear. 
but fuck fear. Yeah, and know? also feeling like you have the deck stacked against you because like a lot of times like that is a legitimate thing. You do have the deck stacked against you. The odds right. are not in your favor. But the people who succeed are the ones who weren't scared to fall on their face a million times. Like, and I think that's so important because we hear success stories and it's always like this person, you know, did this thing and became successful in their field all by the age of 22. And like, Mm -hmm. it makes people feel like, oh, well, I missed, I missed my opportunity. I missed the boat. And I just love like a hero story where it's someone who was rejected and for 20 years and they didn't get their break till later, but they got their break because they kept hammering at it. And so like, you know, I just finished reading David Goggins book and Scott and I are going to do an episode about that. Um, Uh And um, so I'll save a lot of it for that. But like for me dealing with a chronic illness, you know, and, and a system that's stacked against me, it really has helped motivate me because it's like, yeah, the, the deck is really stacked against me in this situation, but like the only way to win this is to be a bad motherfucker. And every time I get knocked down to get the fuck back up. And so like, I'll be like, you know what? Like this guy finished Navy SEAL training with two broken legs. Like I can fucking do this. Like, (laughs) Right, right. <laughs> like, I can make but, these five hours of phone calls with a rupturing ovarian cyst. Like, I can fucking do this because I'm not going to accomplish what I need to accomplish if I quit. That's right. You know, when I, when I decided to become a burlesque dancer, I couldn't walk. You know what I mean? Like, I was yeah. in a wheelchair. And so if I would have just said, you know, and they said, I, you know, everyone was super, not everyone, but, you know, the professionals were insistent that I needed to, you know, get a psychiatrist to come to to the you know realization that I was never going to walk again and I said no I, I dance in my dreams and I and I clung to it you know what I mean and that's kind of what's cool what you were talking about like a, you know a 22 year old and thinking that that's the ideal for anything burlesque you can be you can be 70 you can be 70 years old and decide to become a burlesque dancer and you know um there's ways of doing that in a way that's not like oh my god look at that lady but in a way that you can see that she's celebrating who she is at 70. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't celebrate who I was at 21. I, I was stupid. You know what I mean? I was naive. I was so clueless. I celebrate who I'm going to be in the future. When she looks back on what I'm doing right now, I think she'd be, she'd be okay with that, you know? I her. fucking love that. I celebrate who I'm going to be in the future. Jesus Christ. Everyone pull out your notebooks and write that shit down. Write it on a post-it. <laughs> Put that shit on your mirror. because that's somebody you are gonna like have to deal with you know a 21 year old me would think I was strange stupid and she wouldn't get it Mm -hmm. and and so why would I want to cling to to her you know what I mean as far as I I I appreciate her and I respect her but who I'm gonna be will understand and appreciate who I am now you know absolutely and all the work that you've done to 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 continue growth that's amazing so Let's talk about 70-year-olds and burlesque. Um, Okay. Do you – let's see. How welcoming is the community to variances? So, like, in something that can be – like you said, people will stereotype it. It's supposed to be a certain body or whatever. Right. But the reality of it, how – I don't know. How is diversity received? 
How is it represented? I, th- I, I think that like um, I think ideally it, it's all received. You know what I mean? Like uh, I, I think you know just because I think that a woman that is like a woman that doesn't eat at McDonald's every day is probably going to be clearer headed and more on top of her game. Uh-huh. You know, usually that that's just my experience, and that has nothing to do with what, it, what with what she looks like. She can be like you know stick thin. It doesn't matter. A woman that takes care of herself. A woman that is mindful of her body and her spirit and her moods and the things that make her feel good and takes care of herself. And however that is that she looks aesthetically um, is is secondary to me um, as far as like, I think that, that it is, there is definitely a place for everyone. And again, if you think that you are too large or you have run into any opposition that says that you're too old or too young or too this or too that then create your own. That's another opportunity to just go, you know what, I, I'm, I'm big and I want, you know, just, uh, well, I want to celebrate that and no one will give you that platform. Do it yourself. Same thing if you're older, mm-hmm. um, you know, and when you're older, know who you are at that time, you know, and, and don't try to like, don't twerk like, you know, because you don't, you know, if, if that doesn't feel right and you're forcing yourself to twerk because you saw a 21 year old girl do it, you know, at a show, uh, but you, because you think that that's what the audiences want. Audiences want you to be yourself. They want you to celebrate unapologetically who you are. Mm-hmm. You are, uh, you know, a, you are a performer. You are, you know, whoever it is, your soul, you know, let it shine. And this go, this is me. This is me. And if something happens and you lose a shoe or you break a heel or whatever, you know, some of your props fall down and you go, this is me. And, you know, it is what it is. Love, you know, and have a sense of humor about yourself and, um, but, but own it, mm-hmm. own who you are always, then, then it just kind of works out. Everything, everything works out. Um, but I think that there's definitely, you know, I've lost, I've been turned down waitressing jobs back in the day because I wasn't like stick thin or whatever. And, and that, that hurts. Mm-hmm. That hurts, you know, then create your own stuff, you know, create I like, your own stuff. I like that. And I like, um, I like the concept of authenticity on stage because, yeah, Absolutely. if you if you're an if you're older and twerking is you know, yeah, that's, you're not enjoying. I mean, twerk if you if you like it, twerk if it feels good. But if it doesn't, don't do it. But yeah, if it's not who you are, I just right. It reminds me of when um, white people use a what I call a situational black scent, and it is a white person who speaks very. Caucasian and then when they're interacting with black people all of a sudden they have a dialect that is yeah. like that it, it's it's a situational black scent and it's so uncomfortable for everyone else yeah. around because you know that's not who they are and it's right. a it's a put on it's cringy it's cringy yeah and so if if you are a 60 year old lady and you're trying to do dance crazes that are just they weren't for you you weren't a part of it it just never connected to you and you're trying to do it on stage that's going to make the audience pretty uncomfortable right 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 yeah I mean if if like if yeah if you're an older performer let's say that that um that likes new music then by all means use some new music you know mm-hmm. um but but if you're not and you like listen to like Glenn Miller let's say or you know you listen to a certain genre and that's what makes you feel sexy that's what you listen to while you take a bath or while you like drive, you know, or, or just whatever, you know, while you um, get ready to go out and it makes you feel good. Do that. 
do that. D- do you. Yeah. And don't try to do anybody else, you know. Do you. Um, wow. Do you listen to music when you have sex? Fuck yeah, I do. I, I, I made a playlist. I made a mixtape when I lost my virginity. Are you kidding me? Okay, okay. I yeah. just, I, I don't really, like, I never, if music isn't on, I don't go, like, punch the juke jukebox i guess the boom box right, right, right. but like i you know I, maybe i should maybe that's because it does there is certain music that inspires people se- sexually like everyone exactly. has their thing I'll, that I'll makes send you them like, like my playlist I'll, I'll, I, it's called do me to these tracks ah! and, uh, yeah that's it. my that's my sexy playlist i love it <laughs> That's maybe I should make a play. Zach and I listen to different music, which is partially why we rarely listen to music together because we have like very different tastes. But maybe I should I get just it, yeah. I should just make a playlist and be like, yeah, this is my fucking playlist. So you better be on board with it. Cause I, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I've had enough of your stupid music. Right. We'll, we'll <laughs> listen to stupid music after after this. Yeah. You know, we'll spoon to it. We'll spoon to your <laughs> stupid stuff, but we'll fuck to my jams. Fuck yeah. I love that. Um, well, anything else that we we kind of meandered, is there anything else that we need to cover in regards to producing burlesque, managing groups of women? Um, I think, so of course there is. There's a ton of stuff to do. and We could do a whole, I, I, I'm kind of tempted to, to do a podcast, like maybe like five or six episodes of my own of just like burlesque, because I want, I want people to do it. If you want to do it, do it. Just do it, you know what I mean, and figure it out later. Um, and and also humbly tell people I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I, it was so funny when I first paid for my first venue for a show. We were sitting there. I was sitting there with the venue owners like two nights after I'd given them the deposit, and, and they go, "So how many girls do you have?" And I said, oh, "Oh, I don't have any." And they go, "How many? How many shows have you produced?" And I said, "None." But it's going to be amazing. And thank, <laughs> I love that. And, and thank you for giving me the, the biggest, busiest weekend of the of the you know of the summer because it's going to be badass. You're just going to have to trust me. And and it was you know um, do it do what you say you're going to do always and um, and you know there's going to be people that you have to deal with that are going to try to like reduce you because you're a sexy mama or sexy you know just a you're doing something that's sexy and so they think that they have you. Uh, um, in a compromised situation. One of the most equalizing things that I've ever done as a producer when some, you know, there were like everyone's mansplaining some shit to me and it's my show and I'm, you know, they're, they're not dealing with me in quite the manner that um, they need to recognize. I, I tell them to meet me in an adult store, a, you know what I mean? Like an erotic store. And uh, and that then we just like go through the aisles talking, you know, just like, it's like a... Um, it's a very equalizing place because they're kind of like looking at like big black dicks behind their heads and they're like going, whoa, you know, they're all of a sudden, all of a sudden they're not, they're brought to, it brings them down to size every time. It's disarming. It is very disarming, but then it creates an equal playing field, you know? Yeah. And they, yeah, because yeah, it it just does. But, but um, own your shit. Don't, you know, this is a, it's give your gift Check in with yourself as to why you're doing it. If you're doing it because you need, you thrive off of external validation and applause, then you're going to get your heart broken. That's not what it's for. It's for giving a gift. It's for sharing. It's for, it's for meeting kindred spirits and doing really cool shit together. 
you know, raise money together, you know, do get involved in your community. And for God's sake, if you really want to, you don't even know where to start, go to a show and go up to the, you go up to somebody and go, who do I talk to about helping? I just want to help and see if it works for you. I love that. Um, these are, I mean, I feel like when I talk to you, we, we talk about a specific topic like burlesque, but I feel like the advice really can help people in all avenues of life. It's very inspirational as well as like, it gives good direction and good ideas for people because we all have like secret dreams inside of ourselves. Like yeah, every, I've, everyone has this secret dream that they think is unattainable or they wouldn't know where to start or they're too old to try something new. And like, there's nothing more beautiful than pursuing your secret dream, especially if you have children. I think it's really inspirational to them as well. Um, I don't know. I have, I have a couple of friends who are, you know, married careers in their forties who have learned new instruments or, you know, that sort of thing where it's like people, there's retrains your brain, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and it, it lets people know that like life is not over. It's not like you, whatever path you chose at 22 if it's not serving you anymore, you can change that path. And like nothing is unwritten. And I think that's right. And, and there's no like expiration date on your hotness and there's no expiration. Like, um, ex- I guess when you expire, but you know, but before that, like, uh, to go, you know, that 50 year old woman or that, you know, that 40 year old woman is doing this. So what, you know, shut up. I let, you know, there's, you get to be whatever you want to be as long as you want to be it. Absolutely. Um, Um, Yeah. My my mom is 70 and she um, started doing Pilates a couple months ago because she has a little Miata and she was having trouble getting in and out of it. Because I mean, listen, I have one now, too. It's they're tiny. They're on the ground. And she has a bad shoulder and was having trouble getting in and out of her car. And she's like, right. before I sell my car, I'm going to see if I can regain this mobility and I can like, you know, and so now my mom's a Pilates hottie and she's doing, she's doing it at 70 and in I a love Miata. Yeah. And so <laughs> right on. I, I think it's, um, it's good not to be like resigned to defeat or like, oh, well that just happens or that's gone or I missed that boat. Like, right, right. Go right. fucking exactly. swim and catch up to that boat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Own it, own it, own it. Whatever it is, wherever you are, accept who you are, honor who you'll be and, and, um, and, you know, have respect for who you've been, but that person hasn't been through the, the shit that you've been through and they haven't done the work that you've done right now. And so they don't get it. And that's cool. Doesn't matter, you know, doesn't matter. I, I do have something, I do have an event coming up and it, I have to be kind of, see. Um, so I'm a, I am a secret guest at an upcoming erotic event in Albuquerque, New Mexico, but I'm not allowed to say what it is. So people are going to have to follow my, um, my social media. Yeah. I'll link to that because it's, okay. it's Paris. It's at Paris Agogo, right? Let me double check. Right, right, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll link to that so people can follow you. Do you want to talk about what you were doing in San Francisco? Cause you were recently working in San Francisco. I was, well, so some of that, um, I, my intention, so let me, I, we haven't talked Sydney. So my intention was to, uh, to do these workshops. And, and I, so actually my daughter and I are relocating to the Bay in just a few short months. Oh, really? Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
because that's where my heart is. That's where I thrive a lot more. I love New Mexico. I do, but you know, I love the sunshine here, but I don't, like I said earlier, I'm five minutes late to everything. And so in the Bay, I, I stay on top of my shit as an artistic type. I need some kind of, you know, structure to do that. Uh-huh. So my intention, so, and, and something that we're planning on, that I'm planning on doing this summer, what is to do workshops, you know, feminine feminism was born in the Bay and mm-hmm. thank God it was. But also, um, some of the va 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 is not there, and a lot of you know there, there's lots of, of powerful, strong women, but but they wish that they shook their hips when they walked a little bit, and were you know they they, they are not in touch necessarily. And I'm not saying all women, but some of the women there are um, in an effort to be equal. They have not embraced their femininity, and it's inside of them. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so doing these workshops is my plan, um, this, for this summer, probably towards the end of the summer. Um, and so, yeah, I'd, I'd reached out to you because I wanted to use some of, you know, the sex, drugs and spirituality, like, um, like promo too, and part of my promo, um, because I'm so proud to be associated with you, Sydney, cause you're so awesome. Thank you. But, um, yeah, so, um, so I d- didn't, it wound up being a very, um, amazing experience with my best friend, uh, Sabrina out there, who's an, who is an amazing artist, Sabrina Reed, check her out. Um, but she, uh, it, it wound up being something life-changing for us instead of what I wanted to do, which is these, these workshops. And I want to teach women how to like, uh, to shake their hips and give themselves permission to be alluring. And, and even if it's for nobody but themselves, but to just feel good and, um, and uh, and just kind of you know I, I want to teach them how to do burlesque. I can ter- I can ter- teach anybody how to do burlesque. Mm-hmm. That's my like yeah you know I, I can do that. And part of that is just like teaching you to love yourself and to give yourself a fucking break. But don't be you know don't be shitty and, and work as a team because it's not a good look to just like stand out because you're because you're having a tantrum. Nobody nobody likes that shit. That's that's sexy. That doesn't feel good to you when you do it. Yeah. There's nothing good, you know, and, and just kind of like check in um, and, and do the things that make you feel good and uh, and be a nice person, you know. Um, yeah, that's really beautiful. I feel like for a lot of women, we turn off our sexuality or we disconnect with our feminine sexuality because we feel we need to turn it off to be respected or like you said, to be equal playing field with men or we've been sexually victimized and it's made our sexuality feel scary to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think that happens to a lot of people is, you know, you experience sexual assault and you there there's a fear contingent that now makes you turn off from your sexuality, which is a very important part of who we are, right? Our sexuality does that to us. They slut shame us. You know, look at how she was dressed. Look at what she was doing. You know, don't, don't let them do that. Mm -hmm. Don't let them do that. If you want to dress sexy, dress sexy. Mm-hmm. You know, do what makes you feel good, but don't dumb it down because you've been, you have in your head that it's, it, you know, you, it's, it's not cool. It's not pretty. It's not, it's not acceptable. It's not uh, whatever, you know, surely a mom shouldn't do that. Don't, don't feed into that shit. Do, do what feels right for you, especially when you're talking about, you know, fashion and creative expression, do it, do what works for you. You know, because if you don't, then you you legitimize 
the other, you know, someone that says, if you wear something sexy, then you're asking to be raped, you know, or yeah. whatever. Just do your thing and, and be sexy if that's what, if that's makes you feel powerful and strong. And don't try to like be a sex kitten if that's not, not who you. you are. Yeah. Um, Think, wow. I, I mean, I might have to take one of these classes. Um, I would love it. Yours is free. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, um, you know, having, um, having endometriosis and having so much pain associated with my sex organs, like it's, it's affected me because I used to be, it's gotta be tough. It's, it's tough and it's tough to be in a relationship because I used to be a hypersexual person who enjoyed sex and took pleasure in sex. And now, you know, after years Um, especially the past two years of having so much pain associated with that area, you know, like when I work out, I have stabbing pains when I have sex. It's a, it's a lot harder for me to have sex and enjoyable sex because, you know, there's pain associated with, yeah. And so, you know, my hope is after surgery and I'm looking into going to, um, a pelvic floor physical therapist because yeah. even after you have the disease removed, it's it, it's changed the muscle. Like there's muscle spasms and tightness and you need to go to physical therapy for your pelvic floor muscles. But I feel like, you know, after I have surgery that I'm going to need to learn how to reconnect from this, what's been kind of a long-standing trauma, right? And it's, it's led... Right. It's led to me associating sex with suffering and um, it's 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 changed. It messes with your head, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. It's definitely – it's changed who I am and it's kind of stolen my sexuality from me a little bit. Um, yeah. And I, I look forward to being able to regain that, you know. And I, I probably a lot of women, you have a baby, your body changes, you're oh, tired. Oh, God, You've yes. had – episiotomy stitches like it changes your relationship to your sexuality and and I would guarantee that taking your class would help women reconnect with that sexual being that got lost along the tribulations of life right I mean I I definitely you know the last thing I wanted to do when I had after I had a baby uh, looking at this body that I didn't recognize was be sexy or be have sex, you know what I mean? I felt like uh, there was very utilitarian, um, like a purpose for my for my you know reproductive organs, and I didn't feel I, I just it, it felt I felt terrible, and it did strain my relationship at that time, you know, as I'm sure it does with a lot of people, you know, because he wants her to feel sexy, but she's like, I don't feel sexy, man, not yet, but I do need some love, you know, I need some affection, and I need some like you know. Some building uh, up. Yes, yes. And then figure, you know, figure that out because, uh, um, yeah, it, it's got, I, I, my heart goes out to you. I, I'm, you know, I, I send you good energy on, on that journey for sure, always. Thank you. But, uh, yeah, for sure. But um, yeah, I mean, women's bodies are, they have, there's a plasticity to us that we change and evolve and embrace your big pregnant belly if they're, if you're pregnant and, 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 uh, and if you're not, that's okay too. You know, your big feet, your small feet, whatever. Embrace who you are, and um, and, and you know, because there's no changing. You are you. Mm-hmm. You might as well love you. You know, it's like having a roommate. That you know, you might as well love your roommate. It's who you spend the rest of your life with. You know, it's you. Just love yourself. You know, that's very that true. Is. 
And I think um, it's a characteristic that I really appreciate in men and I encourage all men to have is to think about how powerful it is to truly like make love to a woman, like truly make love to a woman and and bring her sexual pleasure because what you, the power that men have to unlock a woman's sexuality and sensuality where a woman maybe has, she's had boyfriends and they've all, you know, I call it the old kiss and stick where they kiss you for five seconds and then they shove it in and jackhammer. And so (laughs) that's been a woman's sexual experience. And if you take time to make love to her, figure out what turns her on. I mean, play her like an instrument. Talk about art. Making love to me is like playing an instrument. And you learn what does make what sounds and what produces what effect. And like you can unlock a woman's sexual power and you could think oh this woman is like you know she's frigid or she's kind of stale in bed but like that has a lot to do with the partner I feel and so you know for for men yeah cherishing and worshiping and exploring a woman's body could really take your sexual relationship to the next level and you could think oh I love this woman but she's not kinky well is it that she's not kinky or no one has unlocked that part of her yet right or or have you just like watched so much porn that you're stuck in like one thing that you think is sexy instead of like yeah I think you know yeah definitely validate each other when you have sex and um and not just but but sincerely look at a woman's face and just like marvel at her looking at you and just like enjoying you, getting high off of you and and her, you know, the curves of her body may be, you know, she may be curvier than the last woman you were with or or not the ideal of whoever you decided was like the perfect epitome of sexy, but just like uh, celebrate each other and what you are at, at any given time because it's, you know, it's unavoidable. It's who you are. Yeah, and you can be in the moment and have – I feel like a lot of times when people have sex, they're reenacting what they saw in porn. And, like, when I engage in conversations, I'm not reenacting a conversation that I saw on a sitcom, right? I'm having the conversation in the here and now. And for me, sex is the same thing. It's about the here and now and this unique exchange that we're having and this exploration. And so, yeah, that's sort of, you know, trying to reenact what you think should be happening. Um, it doesn't leave it, you know, it doesn't leave a lot of room, I think. Right. If your idea fun. of sex is like the is like the spitting pottery scene in Ghost and that's it, you know, then you're like super limiting yourself, you know, it's uh, it's it's a lot of things. But it's like vibing and just like, you know, I think looking at your your the part your partner when you're having sex and just like looking them at one point, checking in and going, you know, I see you. I see you, you know, um, it, it's just it feels good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, wow. Well, I guess is that it? Did we do the damn thing? I don't thing? know. I feel like uh, we should lay down and have cigarettes together like that. This was a good show. <laughs> I think so. I think so. You know, I don't have any cigarettes. I do have half a joint. So (laughs) I do. You know what? And I'm looking at something on my table that I I need to send to you that that um, that I want to send as a gift that. uh, Yeah, you'll see. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. I'll, thank I'll t- you. Yeah. Thank you so much. I, I just love having you on the show and people really love hearing from you. I think that they um, get a lot of inspiration and, and wisdom um, from you. I hope you. So. so. I'm real accessible too. If anybody ever has a question or whatever, hit me up like, uh, you know, on my Instagram, my Facebook, whatever. Like um, I'm very available because I want us all to have good experiences and I want us all to be better than who we were, you know? Oh, that's so beautiful. Let's let's end on that because that's fun. It's not going to get better than that. <laughs> um, yeah, everyone have a happy hump day. Yeah, you too, Sydney. You're Thank the bomb. You. Thank I you. I love you. I love you yeah. too. <laughs> All right, we'll talk soon. All right, bye.